0: You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American History podcast. Each week, I read a story
1: to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Let's get that energy up, Anthony. Come on. Come on, boom, buddy. Boom,
0: boom. Excuse me? Wagga, wagga. What?
1: I don't know how to get my energy up. What just happened? I'm tired. Never try to get your energy up again. I am sorry I asked. Did you hear your boom booms? Somebody boom boom. Can we isolate that? I'd love that as my ringtone. Pop boom, pop. boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> God, you want to look a little hit to do? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny. Not Gary Gara. Dave, okay. Someone
0: or something is tickling people.
1: Is it for fun? And this is
0: not going to become the tickling podcast. Okay. You <laughs> are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town.
1: All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. <laughs> a bunch of religious virgins go to mingle and do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No, <laughs> I done, my friend. No.
0: no. <laughs> Uh, This podcast is brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. I want to thank each and every one of you. You guys are awesome. We also are on the All Things Comedy podcasting network. Yes. Uh, So check out all the other great podcasts on All Things Comedy. Yes. Uh, That's good
1: stuff. January 4th. That happened because I was nervous. Ninety. The 90s.
0: Victor Lustig was born in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. His parents were, according to him, quote, poor peasant people who struggled to survive in a grim house made of stone.
1: Well, they were hungry.
0: Also, it's a pretty intense description.
1: Yeah, well, that sounds kind of what I would picture Hung- Hungarians in the eighteen nineties like. Well, okay. We live in tomb. Uh, Tom Tomb is home. <laughs> to- uh, tomb is where the heart is. Where I lay my head is tomb.
0: <sighs> his parents separated when he was 8. Jeez.
1: That's uh, it, it, that's a really crazy time for separation, I right? Know. I mean uh, yeah. like uh, yeah. That is that is gossip column shit. Really is. Yeah.
0: When Victor was 12 uh, years old, his father brought him, bought him a violin and uh, said he was going to be sent to Vienna to take lessons from the greatest masters in all of Austria. Okay. So Victor ran away to Paris. <laughs> More of an oboe guy. (laughs) Where he hid uh, for two months for spending time in a brothel.
1: He he was hiding in a brothel? Yeah. I know where to hide in a brothel.
0: Oh, God. The police eventually found him and returned him to his father, who smashed the violin over his head.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is. And by the way, that's probably not one hard smash. No, that's a. That's an eight or niner. Yeah, that's That's an eight or
0: nine dinger. That is not an easy thing to break over (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) someone's it. Victor took off and began a life of traveling. According to Victor, in 1903, when he was 13, he was scavenging for food outside of a Budapest hotel.
1: So things were good. Uh,
0: Yeah, he's loving it. (laughs) Uh, When he saw a beautiful young woman in a gold evening gown on a balcony, she was with an older man. At some point, the man handed the woman money and they left leaving her their plates of food victor said this changed him forever quote what i saw that night shattered my faith in women forever whoa A little intense little intense yeah That's you ease up yeah leave be i decided that anyone who could afford to leave plates of food while others starved did not deserve to keep their fortunes i vowed to dedicate my life to the pursuit of cash and beautiful women all right, all right, take it easy, man. All right,
1: player. <laughs> all right, player. Do you play? Do you?
0: Victor followed his brother Emil into crime.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute, a kid from Hungary is named Emil. Yep, that's got to get confusing. <laughs> and your name? I'm Emil. I'm from Hungary. Well, normally when someone's hungry, you do give them a meal. Hello. <laughs> Sit down, kid.
0: He went from panhandler to pickpocket, to burglar, and then to street hustler. Oh, that's quite a rise. He mastered every card trick known. Uh Uh-huh. In 1908, Victor spent two months in a Prague prison for theft. Okay. That year, he was arrested in Switzerland for, quote, false pretenses. Okay. And the next April in Vienna, he was arrested for attempted false pretenses.
1: I'm going to need to, at some point, get a little more specific. I don't know. I don't know. Just, he had a plot to
0: imagine At least it's, it's just general trickery. It's the card stuff <laughs> Sure He spent most of 1912 in prisons in Vienna, Prague, and Zurich Victor then began traveling first class on ships sailing back and forth to America Fleecing businessmen
1: Okay, that's fun
0: On his fourth Atlantic crossing, Victor met Nicky Arnstein A swindler who advised him, quote You always, always let the sucker suggest the game He must press you to get you to play that's a good that's good advice yeah Victor studied Arnstein and copied his dress manners and his swagger so it's dirty rotten scoundrels It is dirty rotten scoundrels okay. yes uh, which one the uh, what was the Zach Galifianakis one was that dirty rotten scoundrels or was that just scoundrels
1: That's just scoundrels. I I'm going to check out. World War One began... you, you meant mentally check out? I just
0: stopped my conversation.
1: That,
0: uh, that's not how dialogue works. I asked you a question, and then I halted the entire situation.
1: Yeah, then you got your answer and decided you were out. I don't know if I got my answer. I just decided that... You got your answer.
0: World War One began, and Victor dropped off the radar for four years. So no one knows where he was.
1: Okay. When it ended in... I 19- hope he was taking violin lessons.
0: I'm sure he was. When it ended in 1918, 28-year-old Victor went to New York. He wore the finest tan-colored plaid suit, a silk... Shirt, camel hair topcoat, and carried a yellow cane, and called himself Count Victor Lustig.
1: I mean that—that's how we do makeovers. That is exactly how we do makeovers. I uh, also am a count. Back then, you could just show
0: up anywhere and say you were a count. I'm a count. Who's going to check? Yeah, but I would—I would estimate forty percent
1: of people were lying. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, count. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a duke. I'm a count. I'm a king. I'm, I'm Jerry. A, I'm what are you? Earl. Are you guys serious?
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh. He was, uh, he was said he was a political exile from the Balkans who had been tossed out of his castles in a revolution.
1: (laughs) You've heard it a million
0: times. Lost all my
1: castles. I'm a Balkan prince and I got thrown out of my castle. Hello. Here I am wearing camel. Victor
0: was first arrested in Kansas City for running uh, a found wallet scam. It's where you find a wallet with another guy, and then you go, hey, they'll give us money if we blah, 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 you
1: I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with this wallet scam. <laughs> you jump bail. Wait, what is the wallet scam? <laughs> am I going to give away all the fucking secrets? Wait, what do you do? You're just like, I found a wallet. You're, give me your you, wallet. You
0: you, you, you drop a wallet on the ground, and then there's another guy there, and you go, hey, man, there's a wallet here. And then you pick it up, and you go, we should return it to the owner. And then, and then you do some sort of scam when you go to the owner. The owner's also in on it. And you do some sort of, hey, let's play. You know what, fellas? Let's play the ponies with this money. And you
1: oh, can do OK. Sort of or the owner's like, $60 is missing. You each owe me 30 That's my wallet scam. It's, it's a, a side scam. One. It's a terrible one. My When mine, nobody's in on it. <laughs> 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 I'm losing a lot of money buying all these wallet decoys. <laughs>
0: Uh at a party in Kansas City, Victor met Roberta Norritt. She had come to the party with a date, but ended up leaving with Victor. That's a Love it. game. Love it. I did that once, that's some game.
1: That's game, there you go. Mm-hmm.
0: Roberta was a small town girl from a poor Kansas family. Victor took her to Paris immediately, bought her a ivory chiffon dress, with Golda May and told her she was a vision of an angel. They were married in New York on November third, nineteen nineteen. Okay. She felt insecure in a new role as Count Vister Lustig's wife and wanted to impress.
1: Oh, don't worry, I'm full of shit. <laughs> oh no, you don't have to feel
0: anything because I'm just fucking. I'm gonna talking call you now. Queen Victoria. You know Let's what they go. should call me Count Tacula out of my asshole. <laughs> Count Tacula <clears throat> She brought. Uh, she bought books on conversations, meals on ships, fashions, anything that would help her live this new life.
1: A book on conversation. Could you imagine? If you're reading this, you're a social butterfly. I oh, mean, just a book <laughs> on conversation. Ask him how he's doing. Have you read any good books lately? What do
0: you think of the sky? Huh? I'm not good at conversation. Jesus, this was terrible.
1: I have a robe. What? I have to go read my book. Oh
0: God! Who you know that? what? I'm only I'm only a freshman at the conversation.
1: I'm year, only on see. chapter four. Which is when you learn how to talk about the sky. (laughs) Nice sky, huh?
0: Chapter four, the sky.
1: Nice sky, huh?
0: You can never go wrong
1: by pointing out that there is a sky. You noticed there was a sky today? (laughs) Hi.
0: Yeah, I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's up in the sky. Um... Oh, I'm peeing. Um, I'm peeing all down my legs. <laughs> Gotta go. I I did too. Victor
0: told his wife, quote, I want you to know that my work is different from any you have known. So on our next trip to Paris, I'll have to be away from you quite a bit because of my work. She never asked where he was going or what he was doing. After their trip, Victor explained what the deal was. Quote, My work is not illegal. I simply find people... Who are doing illegal things already, and I merely assist them to further their illegal acts.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm uh, I'm an illegal helper. Yeah. I help illegals. Is that not illegal? What? No, it's not illegal to help people doing illegal stuff. It's not illegal if they were already planning on doing it and it was illegal. Thank you. Then it's illegal. By the way, what's law? I do not (laughs) know. Hey, how about that, guy? Oh, no, honey, honey. Did you, um. Very blue. Did you look at the sky when you were out today, hon? <laughs> Honey, stop reading that book. Don't be worried about me. I noticed that. Oh boy, I'm going down my legs again. Roberta
0: just told him that if he was going to do something illegal, just tell her and she would protect him. On another trip to Europe, they traveled as Mr. and Mrs. Eric von Kessler. <laughs> Victor also kept money in lockboxes in every major city in the U.S., and Roberta kept the keys. Like it? In 1919, Victor used his European connections to import high-end booze to the U.S. during Prohibition. He teamed up with Jack Legs Diamond, a famous Irish-American gangster. Legs?
1: Legs. Who had a great set of gams.
0: He, well, he, was, he had giant legs and then his torso was about a foot.
1: Oh. Hi. <laughs> Get on my back. We can run there. I look like an ostrich. They used <laughs> to call me Jack Ostrich Diamonds. But then I told them to stop. Uh, Victor- Here, quick, put your head in the sand. They won't know where we are.
0: <laughs> Victor realized it was easier to sell bathtub gin with counterfeit labels. Bathtub what? Bath- you know, just gin you make. Oh, bathtub gin. Bathtub okay. gin, right. Uh, he faked whiskey stickers and government stamps with a face value of $3 million and sold them. But he was shut down by the Secret Service. Two gangsters were pulling stick-ups on Wall Street taking Liberty Bonds at gunpoint, so Victor then became the middleman for the sale of the bonds.
1: Nothing illegal there. Nope, just helping out illegal. Just helping a guy doing something illegal with guys. another guy who wants to do something illegal. What am I doing? I'm just helping a couple of... I'm introducing out. a couple of illegal guys. What I'm doing is post-illegal. All right.
0: On February 13, 1922, Victor and Roberta had a baby girl, Betty Jean, but Victor called her Skeezix. What? That was his nickname for her Skeezix? S-K-E-E-Z-I-X How's my little Skeezix? Did she make dubstep? It's <laughs> the worst nickname ever What is he doing? And she was scarred for life Yeah This is my
1: little shit This is Skeezix Did you say Cheezix? No That would be crazy This is my daughter Skeezix Oh god, okay Keep her away from me. He looked at the sky today? No. (laughs) Victor traveled
0: under many aliases. Von Kessler was his favorite. He was often Count Von Kessler. He was also C.H. Baxter, Rudolf Habiger, Victor Gross, Frank Gardner, Herman Keller, Helmut Strode, Monsignor Andre Dupree, and Pierre
1: Duval. (laughs) I got to say, I, I think every time I've heard aliases in the dollop, they've always been dynamite. They're always great. There's always one or two that are just amazing. <laughs> Peter Firehydrant! <laughs> uh,
0: his count status helped him to get in places. He rubbed elbows with celebrities. Movie stars, Rudolph Valentino, Marion Davies, and Sophia Tucker. Sophie Tucker were all his friends. Once Victor and Roberta were attending a John Barrymore play, and Victor went backstage afterwards to talk to him. Barrymore was removing his makeup, and Victor picked up a beard that Barrymore had worn, and he put it on. Barrymore then made Victor up, giving him bushy eyebrows and sideburns. Victor wore the disguise to a party, and no one recognized him. Oh, boy. He walked past Roberta twice before she said, Vic, is that you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And a light bulb that hadn't been invented yet ah, went off. All happening, baby. From that day forward, he often
0: used disguises to elude the law. He dresses a Jewish rabbi, a priest, a clown, uh, a bellhop, uh, a clown, uh, a clown, uh, a clown uh, just a guy walking around as a clown. Hurry! That's not suspicious. No. Want to buy drugs? Whatever disguise suited the occasion, he would use. He had twelve trunks, many filled with makeup and disguises. The trunks went wherever he went.
1: <laughs> Victor then
0: came up with one of his most successful scams. It was a device called the Romanian money box. Now it's not
1: Romanian; it's Rumanian. Romanian. Romanian. R u m a n i a n. Okay. So it's not. Is it just the place that full has rum?
0: I don't know. Okay.
1: He had a craftsman. That's where Captain Morgan's from. I don't want to talk anymore. He okay. had a
0: craftsman make a few wooden boxes, two feet in length, nine inches wide, and a foot deep, with a few dials on the front. Victor. What? He, had, so he had a couple of boxes. He had some boxes made. With dials on them. Yep. Okay. He got 50000 and in freshly minted $100 bills with serial numbers in sequential order. Boy, this is exciting. Then he scraped off the last four digits of each serial number, and he put the same last number on each bill. So he had a bunch of identical serial numbers on bills.
1: the hell was happening?
0: He told Marx the story of a man who was supposed to have been in on the plot assassination of Archduke Francis. He was then captured Taken to Berlin and put in a lab and told to make a foolproof method of duplicating foreign currency. And this man came up with the box.
1: Okay. So the bullshit is the story. Yep. Really, he just had boxes he just had boxes with dials. Yep. And okay. And these are now counterfeiting machines. He would fiddle with the
0: knobs while he told the people the story of the wow. inventor. And come up with a, uh, he told him that the inventor had come up with a chemical method of duplication. After the war, the inventor had escaped and sought asylum with Victor's father. And then after he died, Victor found the box and the chemical formula. So Victor oh, would pro- That
1: is some heavy bullshit. It's just
0: so fucking That is stupid.
1: grade A tasty bullshit. It's just a, like nine pounds of
0: fucking garbage. That is great. So Victor would put a real bill into the top of the box, and then he would put a blank piece of currency paper. Oh, my God.
1: And he would turn the crank. Here we go. Stand back now. It can be pretty powerful. And then a bill would come out. Uh Uh-huh. And if he did again, the same bill would come out. Uh Uh-huh. There was a catch. (laughs) Was it that they were just boxes? No, it was very time sensitive. Oh, that's right. That is true.
0: After you created a bill, you had to leave it alone for 18 hours before turning the crank again to get another bill. When he performed the demonstration, Victor used the identical clone notes that he doctored at home.
1: Right? So so the the idea there being that you can't really – like you're not going to find out how shit it is for a couple – like for a little bit of time. Okay, right.
0: Marx always saw a bill being duplicated and then they would go to a bank together with – him and cash it in and of course it'd be taken because it really was a bill right and the 18 hour window gave victor time to skip town after the mark bought the box sometimes he would even load the machine with a few bills so that would give him more time
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god
0: but one one time Mark uh, mark saw victor in chicago and ran up to him i've done something terrible something terrible what did you do asked victor I didn't wait the eighteen hours you told me. I waited to, I waited to the sixteen, and then I cranked it. Why, well, you fool! You've destroyed the machine. Victor said you have to pay. You'll have to pay me twenty five thousand
1: dollars for another. No, no. And he did. Oh no! Oh man, I waited eighteen hours this time. Boy, I'm hoping he's not full of it. I bought two of these counterfeiting machines. Why didn't I just wait two more hours? <laughs> Can you? When he sees him, that confrontation. Victor, sir, sir, um, uh, yeah, (laughs) sir, I have something very important to talk to you about. What, 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 what? I think I broke my counterfeiting machine. Oh. I used it too early. Oh, I can't, I, they're very expensive. I agree, I, I messed up royally. Boy, am I glad to run into you. <laughs> sorry I'm laughing. Uh, oh, please, believe me, I've very... been through all the emotions. <laughs> I know, I, I feel like Here I only... was sitting there for weeks, months, yeah. pining for a new one, <laughs> well, thinking to myself I'd spoiled my only opportunity. Here I am. I mean, I don't have the money for this, <laughs> but <laughs> I, here I am now. I have other ones. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you're great. I, huh? You're great, you're great. I mean, I'm sorry you did that, but
0: you're a great guy.
1: Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, I just.
0: We'll get you to the one. I'm sorry, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I tell you, I, I, I I, I'll yes. tell you one thing. Uh huh. I am lucky. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Holy shit.
1: Well, unfortunately, I have to start working because Frank put a lot of money in two fake boxes that he thought were counterfeiting machines. Why would he buy two? I didn't wait the 18 hours the con man told me to. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Another took the box apart to see how to fix it and couldn't <laughs> figure out how to put it back together again.
1: Boy, I'm just thinking it's an empty box.
0: He told Victor said it couldn't be repaired and sold him a new one.
1: Wow, I can't believe the amount of people that buy it so much they think they're broken.
0: Oh. <laughs> two owners of a pool hall in Montana paid him $43,000 for a money box. He sold one <laughs> to two merchants in Chicago for 10000 another to a Kansas businessman for 25000 a gambling senator. Syndicate in New York for forty six thousand. A banker in California paid a hundred thousand.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's better not hear about these people who paid ten. What? Oh my God! God, he's good.
0: Most of these people would not go to police because they would have to admit their involvement in counterfeiting. Especially the guy who bought two.
1: No, I take this to the grave. Have to take the wood from them and put me and build a coffin out of it. I'm not telling anyone about these things.
0: Victor was only arrested once for the box scam when he was using the alias Charles Gruber in San Francisco. He wasn't convicted and probably bribed his way out because Victor always wore a suit with $15,000 sewn into it.
1: Or he was just like, boy, officers, I understand. You know, it'd be nice if you guys had a counterfeiting machine for the, <laughs> for the station, don't you think?
0: Yeah, just over there on the corner.
1: Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what you got the other guys? Or... Yeah,
0: you want one. Mm. Oh, it's real. Let me show you. Okay.
1: Put up your hands! We did it! We used it at 17 hours! We were too anxious! Please! Put up your
0: hands, we used it at 17 hours?
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's them going back and getting him.
0: (laughs) When he was arrested in Indiana in 1925 for for swindling a real estate man for $10,000, he escaped, most likely a bribe. His daughter be- Betty grew up used to this life. As a child, it was a life of packing, running, hiding, using numerous names. Could you imagine, as a kid, having to remember what name you're? Yeah, your name especially is?
1: when your nickname is Skeez-It? Skeezix. Skeezix.
0: She went to thirty-seven different schools.
1: Oh my God! Military brat? No, my dad's a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> oh. She'd be dressed. In you the... could call me the Duchess of Cheese. She'd be dressed in the middle of night uh, to made to be
0: run, uh, to to run. Uh, she just got used to it. Betty was taught from an early age never to talk about her father. If someone asked where he was, she was always to say, I don't know. He taught her Morse code. They would tap messages to each other on the palms of their hands. Wow. He would tap, do not talk or go to your room if people were around, and he was worried. One night, she was dressed and packed in the middle of the night, and when she woke up in the morning, she was on a train. When she looked out the window, she saw the family's maid in a nurse's outfit pushing Victor in a wheelchair. His leg was in a cast, his his arm in a sling. His head was down his chest with a felt hat pulled down to his ears. He was then lifted on the train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. At which point he took off his disguise. Then he grabbed Betty and said, how's my little skeezix? Ah! <laughs> well, I'm crazy, Dad. <laughs> I'm out of my fucking mind.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, <sighs> I didn't realize we'd moved to the train and Dad was pretending his leg was broken. <laughs> Sorry.
0: In one year... <laughs> In one year, they were in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Kansas City, Montreal, Boston, Paris, Cherbourg, Berlin, Munich, Naples, Spain, and Italy, as Victor ran from the law. For some strange reason, Roberta couldn't hang with his life, plus with his constant womanizing, and she divorced him at the end of 1925.
1: Well, to be fair, I mean, he wasn't cheating on her. His aliases were. Thank you. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was Count von Klesser. And by the way, he's got a real—he's got a wandering oh, eye. That one. Shit, can he fuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, can that man fuck? Don't be mad at me. Be mad at King Chuck. You know what? Yell at the passport over there. Come it's on. Your beef is not with me. It's with no, the rabbi. No, you cannot. <laughs> you cannot talk to Van Kessler. He's not here right now. Oh, I'm sorry that Wrinkles the clown has upset you, but he's not here. I'm not him.
0: Um, so she actually quickly remarried and Betty ended up being putting in a, put in a boarding school near Pittsburgh. One day Victor, uh, now then, she was in Kansas city, one day Victor went to Kansas city to, uh, claim his visiting rights and see his daughter. But then instead of taking Betty out for ice cream and the merry ground, as he said, he took her to Europe, hired a maid and put them in a Paris hotel.
1: Wow. Upgrade. Upgrade.
0: In Paris, Victor met, uh, with a Chicago criminal named Dapper Dan Collins. Perfect. As they sat at a sidewalk cafe, Victor noticed a front page editorial about the increasing costs to repair the Eiffel Tower. The Parisian design community filed a petition against it. Quote, passionate devotees of the untouched beauty of Paris protest with all our strength in the name of the threatened art and history of France against the erection right in the heart of our capital of the useless and monstrous Eiffel Tower. So they actually didn't like it. Interesting. Yeah. Victor had an idea, though. He commissioned stationery with the official letterhead of the Ministry of Post and Telegraph. Oh, boy. And then he invited six major scrap metal dealers to discuss a potential matter in his hotel room. This matter, No. This matter, he wrote, was too hush-hush to be discussed within the official office. When they gathered... Victor began his pitch in perfect French. He told them the government was going to scrap the Eiffel Tower. But they couldn't do it immediately, and the government was waiting on bids for the more than 700 more 7,000 tons of quality scrap iron of the My Eiffel God. Tower. After Vic chose one of the men to be his mark, he met with him alone. Victor explained he wasn't paid enough by the government. And the guy got the gist, and a bribe was agreed upon. And then that guy bought the Eiffel Tower with a bribe tossed in the boot. Oh, my God. I love that it wasn't enough just to sell the Eiffel Tower. He had to get the guy to give him a bribe to sell the Eiffel Tower.
1: (sighs) That is some real good scam. I mean, that, (laughs) that makes your counterfeiting box look like nothing. That's child's play. You just sold the dude the Eiffel Tower and made him feel like he was privileged. Oh, I'm lucky I got that thing. That was close. Yeah, he showed up the next day. Okay. All right, mine, guys. Excuse uh, me. Can we all get off of there, please? This is mine now. Go ahead and take this down. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've fallen into a little bit of uh, a good situation, one uh, could say. Yeah. Uh yes you may see my receipt. Yes, right here. You'll see at the top. Uh-huh. What do you mean he doesn't exist? Uh, pardon? Boy, the only way that I'm gonna be able to get out of it is by one of those counterfeiting machines. This is awkward. <laughs> sir, sir, are you telling me I don't own the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> you have any idea how crazy you sound?
0: When it was done, he and uh Victor and Dapper Dan Collins got the hell out of town and went to Austria. They checked into a fancy hotel and then waited for the story to hit the news. (laughs) But two weeks later, it had not hit the news. Victor realized that he had pulled off the perfect con. The mark was so ashamed that he remained silent. Wow. So he turned to Collins and said, we're going to sell the Eiffel Tower again. No. And he he sold it one more time.
1: What the f- (laughs) are you serious? How do you not root for this guy? Like, if you can't, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> he sold it again. Why would you not root? He's the best. <laughs> I mean, I've just got that letterhead burning a hole in my briefcase. <laughs> my One God. more run.
0: Jesus. Uh, and he came back to America by ship. He sent... Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. I think I jumped... Out. Oh, right. Victor returned to the States, where he and Roberta were remarried and moved to Detroit. So he got back together with Roberta. Okay. She couldn't
1: not. She would love the action, too. Yeah, much. no. I mean, you yeah, like... This is a guy that clearly has a lot of charm. And exciting, too. Yeah, and sometimes they'll fuck you like the Count. Yeah, and then sometimes you settle down it. with Dale the accountant, and you're like, you know, uh, I didn't mind being married to a priest-rabbi-clown combo. Right? On December 11, 1928, Victor lured a
0: mark named Thomas Kearns into a scam requir- requiring $16,000. <laughs> But when they were at Kearns' home, Victor distracted him and just stole the money. Kearns immediately went to the cops, and Victor fled to Europe. I don't know why I don't like did... that one. I don't know why he did that. Sloppy. Yeah. Maybe he needed the money fast, but he... Sell him he's the sun. Worried. Maybe he's getting worried it wasn't going to happen, but he stole it. I don't Sell like it. Sell him the sun.
1: Sell him the sun. Thank you. Yeah. if someone finally said it. Yeah. At least his wife then would have something to talk about. Right? Do you like the sky? I own the sun. Really? No, <laughs> oh, that's not in the book. Hold <laughs> well on.
0: Uh, so he was there in Europe for a bit. When he came back by ship, he sent a wire to the secret service and two agents came to his first class cabin. He explained to them the misunderstanding he had had with Kearns. And then he said he had information about counterfeiting. When they left the ship, a police detective tried to arrest Victor, but the secret service told them that he was now theirs. Victor then gave the Secret Service tons of information about people counterfeiting in Paris. Names, addresses, what they were up to, the whole thing. Victor was then released as a free man and went right back to his old ways. Wow. Just cons everybody. Yeah. In July of 1929, he was in Paris when two French detectives, quote, seized a large number of forged documents, including
1: passports and a counterfeiting machine. You can tell it is a counterfeiting machine because mm. it has all the dials. It's, it makes some money. And uh, like he says, you can't use it unless you have uh, 18 hours in between. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, oui, oui. Excuse me? wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. Okay. So thought we were talking English, but mm. ça va. Uh, oui, oui. Uh, tu connais beaucoup de...
0: Uh, Pardon? Victor told them he was a Excuse member me. of Al Capone's gang. <laughs> And this was all the loot he was going to dispose of in other countries, not in France. And they jailed him. That was he didn't work. That one didn't work out. But yeah, it was a bad scam. Right.
1: I don't know what he was thinking. He probably wasn't thinking too much. He probably thought he was going to be okay. I mean, at that point, you're trying to talk your way out of it. You just come up with some
0: bullshit. Yeah,
1: and you're like, no, nah, that didn't come out right. I'm having an off night. <clears throat> so he was held. Want in to jail. buy a submarine? Huh? yeah. Oh, wee hey. Uh hey.
0: Victor uh, – so he's put in jail and then uh, returned to America to face charges of robbing Kearns. And somehow he evaded prosecution again. In 1929, Victor met uh, with – he's just bribing people. He met it's with, mainly bribing? Yeah. Okay. He, uh, with, the, with the law stuff? Yeah. yeah. In 1929, Victor met with William Watts, a drugstore clerk from Nebraska who was interested in making plates to counterfeit bills. They worked uh, for a long time in an apartment Victor re- rented on the Hudson River and ended up succeeding. They made two types of bills, sloppy and rushed notes and very good notes. The worst ones were sold to low-end criminals, and the others were for higher-ups. Okay. They were <coughs> considered to be the super notes of the era. A judge would later say Victor became, quote, like some other government, issuing money in rivalry with the United States Treasury.
1: (laughs) It's hard to not like this guy.
0: (laughs) Dapper Dan Collins was the chief distributor. He sold $100 bills for $30 each. It is believed that up to 50%... That's a net loss, though. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You don't do the math. I do the math. You do
1: the selling. You know what I mean? But... Yup. Yeah, zip. Hold don't on, hold on hold, hold on, hold uh,
0: on. Fuck me.
1: Nobody pulls one over on that Dan. Okay, I think they do. Now. Yep. Hear me out. Hearing. We have $100 bills. Right. If we need to make profit, we got to sell them for 110 each. Okay. So how about I just shoot myself in the face? No, dude. No, you're not listening. I am listening, and I would like to kill myself. We sell them for $130, then we're making profit. You see why they call me Dapper? (laughs) I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm thinking. Yes, you are not supposed to think. What does Dapper mean? Okay, I got to go. Okay. You ever look at the sky? Oh, whoa. Really opens up on you, doesn't it? It
0: is believed that up to 50% of all fake currency at the time in America was from Victor. Quite a percentage. And Victor continued with his uh, scams across the U.S., traveling back and forth to Europe, fighting extradition and sometimes deportation, juggling a wife, a child, a high-profile mistress, uh, hiding from a dozen detectives in multiple states, and gambling. So Sounds pretty, a little stressful. He's busy. Sounds a little Locked stressful. A going on.
1: Sounds a little stressful.
0: He likes to have everything in the air. He likes uh, spinning plates.
1: High profile mistress. Uh, yep.
0: HPM. He went to Latin America to try to run some scams. And when he came back on February 27th, 1931, he was arrested by Sheriff Q.R. Miller at the border. A local businessman had bought $50,000 worth of stocks from Victor that turned out to be toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, oh man! I mean, I can't couldn't. believe they're selling rolls of stocks. The good news
0: is, <laughs> it's a new thing where the stocks come in rolls. I'm telling you, it's the whole. It's what's happening now. Is that two ply stocks? Yeah, it's two ply stocks. Wow! Yeah, you should get in on this.
1: One roll, fifty k. <sighs> Look at all these stocks. Over. Yeah, no, I know. I feel like I'm kind of ripping you off. Okay. Hey. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want okay, to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't
0: forget, you can wipe your ass with those, too.
1: I'll Wait. catch you around, buddy. Huh? and he go? What a good guy.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Victor ended up... I'm not an idiot. I figured out it was toilet paper.
0: Victor ended up talking to the sheriff. It turned out the sheriff was $30,000 in debt, and he had taken money from the county. Uh-oh. So Victor sold him a money box Oh Jesus for $25,000. Don't
1: use it within 18 hours, though. <laughs> and he walked free.
0: Oh, God. Jeez. Terrible. When the sheriff realized he'd been duped, he went to Chicago to find Victor and ended up holding him at gunpoint. Wow. Victor apologized.
1: Victor sold him the Statue of Liberty. And he offered the sheriff $50,000 in cash. Okay.
0: He gave the sheriff the money in crisp $100 bills. Uh Uh-oh The sheriff was then arrested for passing counterfeit bills Oh jeez,
1: this guy's like, boy, I wish I'd never met Victor (laughs) Life was pretty good when I was just a cop
0: His income tax fraud was also exposed uh, And then the sheriff was locked up in prison Jeez The chief of the U.S. Treasury flew to interview the sheriff in jail Victor had jumped bail in so many countries That he couldn't go to large areas of the U.S. anymore and his womanizing caused Roberta to, Roberta to leave again in 1931. She immediately married a, ma, a man named Doug Connor. In New York City, agents from the Secret Service, the Treasury Department, officers from the New York Bomb Squad I don't know why, the New York Bomb Squad, pirate <laughs> lawyers throw
1: anything at him and,
0: and state troopers had a meeting to discuss Victor's counterfeiting. They would never seen bills this good. They were now after Victor as a special squad. The Secret Service had a tip that he was using a brothel as his headquarters. An agent hid in the building and typed up transcripts from the wiretaps. He sent copies to the special squad in the Secret Service. One chief responded, quote, I'm not interested in the details of the prostitution business. In future reports, eliminate all material not having to do with counterfeiting.
1: Oh, there's got this one and she is busting out. Busting, chief. I'm telling you, va-va-va-voom. She's got legs that won't quit. I went up to her one day to talk, and she smells like fresh raspberries. Okay, what about the bills? Uh, No bills there, just dames. I met this other girl named Lucy. She's real sweet. You know, kind of one of those people that, like, is an injured dove. She's beautiful, but she's got a broken wing, and you want to fix it. You want to help her. I took her down to the field one day, and... She let me play with her hair. I forgot about everything. What right. about the bills? The uh, plates? The uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've been swamped with the whores. <laughs> so I forgot. That's fair. That's totally fair. But I think if you go to page 98 of the report, uh-huh. you'll find some interesting stuff there. Okay. All right. Thanks. So we're going to take off this one. Good? i miss her. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: You're fine. Okay. Published my report. Yep. It's going out. It's being published by the Thank you. Penguin Books. Thank you. On May 10th, 1935, Victor was arrested.
1: be one of. I got pulled over one time, and I thought it was because I was on my phone, but it was because I ran a stop sign. Yeah. And like when he pulled me over, I was so glad I didn't ask why. Yeah. Or I was so glad that I wasn't like... You saw me on the phone, huh? Because he'd have been like, what? But when he gets arrested, he must always just be like, why don't you tell me the crime? <laughs>
0: uh, they, let, they let Victor know they wanted the plates to end the counterfeiting. It was implied that if Victor helped them, they would not be ungrateful. They were given a key to a locker at Times Square subway station. Inside the locker, agents found $50,000 in fake bills and 20 steel plates. But it was obvious these were not the plates cranking out the awesome bills. So Victor offered to give those up if they let him go, and they refused, and suddenly Victor found himself in federal prison. Now, he was there for three months and 22 days. and During that time, he tore bedsheets into strips, dipped them in water, and wove them together, making a rope. He then cut the mesh on his window, and out he went. Wow. When people saw him climbing down, he pretended to be a window washer. Oh, wow. He then fell and dashed off, quote, like a deer. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to pretend you're washing windows. Oh, wait, no, it's not a convict. He's just washing the windows. In a convict outfit. That's fine. And rope. And and he doesn't falling. have the supplies to wash.
0: He's washing with his hand. Hey,
1: he's running. He's running.
0: That was September 2nd, 1935. Victor moved regularly to evade, avoid, uh, to evade detection, only going outside in disguise. The Secret Service was on his trail, once bursting into a seedy bedroom where they found his socks, bloody bandages, and a copy of American Detective. Wow. Victor had become a celebrity in true crime press, where he was called the Miracle Man of Crime. Wow. He had at least 32 arrests with no convictions over the years. That is crazy. The entire Secret Service looked for his counterfeiting house. During one interview, Victor said that William Watts, the plate engraver, needed morning sunlight to work. And Agent Johnson remembered the exact words. He could look out the window at the Hudson River and watch the big ships dock. So they searched for that spot, ringing doorbells and talking to landlords. Other agents talked to chemical suppliers and ink houses. Eventually, a lead pointed the agents to Watts' rooming house. After 26 days on the run, on September 28th, 1935, Victor was spotted in Pittsburgh and chased in his car by the Secret Service. Agents rammed their car into his and locked their wheels together. The cars crashed. Victor got out and said, quote,
1: well, boys, here I am. Okay. <laughs> the big reveal.
0: Yep. Back in New York, Victor uh, wanted to know who had snitched on him. It turned out to be his mistress, who was upset that he was cheating on her.
1: <laughs> the, I mean, amazing. Yeah. I can't believe he's seeing other women. <laughs> the nerve. I thought he was a good fella besides me and his wife.
0: Oh, and Victor had sold her $100,000 of fake stock. Wow. She was a well-known brothel owner, and it cost her her business and her freedom. She was charged with tax fraud and got four years. Boy, he didn't give a fuck. Nope. Um, At Victor's trial, it was revealed the two counterfeiters had put... Two million three hundred and forty thousand dollars of counterfeit money into circulation. Wow! Williams testified against Victor, and after listening for him, to f- for, to him to for for fifteen, ugh. Williams testified, and after listening to him for fifteen minutes, Victor said to his attorney, "Let's get it over with. All I wanted to see was whether the rat would really squeal on the stand." Victor then stood up and yelled, "Guilty!" and he was. Of counterfeiting and a law created because of him. The Federal Escape Act was written after Victor's escape. He was sentenced to 20 years in jail for counterfeiting and escaping and was sent to Alcatraz. <laughs> Betty was 13 years old. Victor's fingerprints were sent to police departments all over the US. New victims came forward when his mugshot was on the front page of the New York
1: America. Oh, uh, yeah, he sold me a uh, time machine.
0: <laughs> he sold me all the houses.
1: Yeah, um, okay. If we're all being honest, yeah, I was convinced I was the president of the United States for a fortnight. Yeah, um, he told me that I, if I paid enough, I would run the country. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, go ahead, we're all friends here. Okay, he also, uh, he sold me an iceberg. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. That's fine. I mean, Johnny got so. Uh,
0: this is the Victor Lustig. Uh, no, no, I group, know. Group, no, it's uh, a safe place. Session, safe place. I should point out, if my name's here. Tim. Okay. Hi, Hi Tim. Hi, Tim.
1: Yeah. Uh, I uh been two and a half months since I was last swindled by Victor. Yeah. So it's getting easier. Well, it is now, but he might come back around. I'm willing to buy whatever he has. That guy's a lock. No, no, Tim, no, <laughs> Tim. No. Uh, I got to tell you guys, I just bought a money box last night. Oh, yeah, I bought money boxes. Last night. Yeah, me too. I was lying about the two my and a half months. is my 17th one. We've all been there. A- anybody who hasn't bought 17, put your hand up. You can see there's just two or three of us. Um, yeah, so uh, anyways. Hey, guys, I own the White House. <laughs> We're not in it. Not... No, I'm pretty sure I own it. Ah. Uh, all right, I'll make you an offer for it. <laughs> I'd like to buy your White House, and I'll sell you two of my time machines and a counterfeiting machine for it. Okay. Ah, sucker! Yeah, <laughs> Talk about sucker. a meeting where everyone's like, sucker. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, The amount of times people must have left Victor's presence being like, what an idiot. I know. All the fucking time. What a fucking moron. I really Stupid. took that day. Jesus.
0: New complaints flooding in from all over. He was now wanted in... S- Bocaine as C. Baxter in Detroit, as Chas Gromar in Nebraska as Robert Lamar, and in New York as Robert Duvall. Oh, whoa. I (laughs) know. After seven years in jail, a guard found several pieces of torn blanket in Victor's cell. Of course. I'm going again. Of course. Roberta tried to bribe the director of prisons with $70,000.
1: Well, she's back. But was told
0: it wasn't enough.
1: Wait, is that the wife or the daughter? It's the wife. Okay, that's what I thought. On she mor- can't stay away. <laughs> she can't. She fucking loves it too much. Yeah. She loves the action. She loves yeah. the heat. All right, you're definitely getting a little the too heat. turned on for me. Fuck yeah, look at that guy. Excuse me? On the morning of November 29th, 1946,
0: Victor woke with a massive swelling on the left side of his forehead. He was transferred to the Medical Center for Federal Prisoners at Springfield, Missouri. On uh, In March of 1947... Betty visited and tapped I love you daddy in Morse code in Victor's hand before he died on March 11th after 11 years in prison. The family kept Victor's death a secret for over two years. His brother finally revealed it in court, (coughs) thinking it would help him get a release. Clearly his brother was not the smart. Yeah. Not the smart one of the, my brother's dead. So, you know, isn't it like a rule that only one guy can die in prison? The only one brother, you know, like in world war two, when they wouldn't send all the guys from the same town, so what I'm thinking is since my brother died in in a jail, that I that uh, then I go uh, guilty uh, for sure. Okay, then but then I get to leave, yeah, because my brother died in prison. right? No,
1: no. Okay, so I go. No, to jail. Yeah. No, I. My brother died, right? That's good to know. Right, I go home. Okay, uh, that's going to adjourn the court. Hey, Emil, are you hungry? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, serve it back to me. I'm loving every bite, baby. <laughs> uh, of
0: course, it didn't. What did happen was money started coming to Roberta and Betty unsigned or from someone, quote, whom your husband helped. It would come from many cities and areas. One letter had a type message fastened to the top of a $500 bill. It read, my father would want me to send you this. Vic helped him out and never would accept repayment. Another letter unsigned contained $10,000. So he had it set up that when he died, people would, would send, them send money. him money. And so they just started getting fucking cash from everywhere. Wow. As soon as the announcement was made that he was dead. What did he die from? Uh, it's some sort of. Just like a brain? Like I bet it was a tumor. Yeah, or, okay. A well, massive swelling on the left side of that forehead. I don't know. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Because it doesn't usually happen overnight.
1: Well, it's probably had too many ideas. His head was about oh, to pop. right. they wanted out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One day while sick, Roberta called Betty to make her promise to bury her besides Victor when she died. The next morning, Roberta took an overdose of barbiturates and died. Happy ending. Oh jeez. Everybody's dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's well, how I want to well, go. They're though. all dead except
0: you want to go on? Um, it's terrible. You can really that doesn't usually work out. By the way, it's very painful. You swayed me. You wake up and you're like, "Oh, my kidneys and liver don't work anymore." That's cool. Okay, heroin. Oh, you tell fine. me. Heroin's great. You tell me. Yeah, heroin's something you should do for a while before you die from it.
1: Okay, I'm glad we did this. Have you ever thought about a hammer? You selling hammers?
0: Yeah, I'm selling the, the first hammer.
1: I'll buy a counterfeiting machine, off you. Uh, that dude's
0: awesome. Uh, yep, that's Victor.
1: I mean, I know he probably hurt a lot of lives negatively, but this is this that's podcast doesn't really we don't deal care. with the consequence, <laughs> right? That's not our job. We just live in the now. We're just time travelers. Uh, crazy. I'm crazy like a fox. Crazy. I love that. The disguises. <laughs> the second he puts a beard on, he's like, Eureka clown now i'm a clown what was this clown what did his clown outfit like the clown do i cannot understand at all yeah <laughs> badass uh, uh, yeah badass all right okay what do we do we say goodbye but before we say goodbye we tell people that we sign cars God, the worst. what is your deal lately oh hey there everybody it's gareth you know from this uh This podcast. Uh, Listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th. Uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I uh, Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them.